Welcome to the seventh episode of Vistamol Renaissance Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Holmstone, and joining me as always is a Canadian who's said many harsh things on this podcast over the years, Logan Saunders. Barbara Streisand. Sorry, what was that? Barbara Streisand. Next one. I didn't get that, sorry. Uh, God, my audio is awful. Barbara Streisand. (laughs) This episode was so stupid. And I'm fully aware I'm already channeling Michelle, but I was watching this episode just kind of begging it to be over. (laughs) The first challenge was not needed. (laughs) Pointless. The first challenge would be fine if it didn't follow uh, an episode and a half of not really having any real challenges. I think it was just one of those throwaway mysterious ones that they do in the middle of a season. Then it would be fine, but the fact that this is after we just wasted an ap- an episode and a half on a single on a single challenge, it's that really bothered me. The second challenge was okay. It wasn't awful. It's just that we've had a lot of challenges similar to it over the past few seasons. And then the final challenge was the... It's the strangest idea for a final challenge for a season ever, I think. But it was definitely a good challenge. Here's where I stand on everything. Basically, early in the season, I gave the caveat of, by default, this is probably going to be the best Vidim season since Georgia. But that is not saying much at all. A lot of people were quite high on the first couple of episodes. I tempered my enthusiasm because I foresaw what happened. We lost a lot of the really good characters, and now they're really running out of steam with these challenges. None of these three challenges are good ones to me. Even the the train ride is, as you said, one of the weirdest ideas they've ever had for a final challenge, and utterly pointless in the grand scheme of things. That's the thing. As much as obviously I want to like this season because it's very good thematically and all that sort of stuff, there's so much of this season you could just cut and it would make no difference. Well, I mean, we. I'm really sad that... Not sad, not like I'm going to go cry and be depressed, but it's a shame that we didn't have a proper final four round and then a final three round after we lost two people because of a single challenge that the mole couldn't really get involved in. <laughs> so that's the part that's the part that sucks for me. We just had an episode and a half occupied by one challenge and then this week was it. There's I mean we yes there was so we already had a shortened season of just seven episodes, but really when you think about it we had also two throwaway challenges on top of the marathon we had last week so really it's i would say we had five real episodes of vidim this season out of the seven yeah obviously obviously we're going to talk about this a lot more next week in the season wrap-up but it's just such an odd odd season for me this i think it's because of just how how much it veers into the wrong direction we have we have a let's say three four really good episodes out of the gate, and then just it just collapses for the last three. <laughs> so we have four we have four really really good episodes, and then two that are really bad, and then a finale that's that's like well compared to the previous two episodes, it's okay, but if it was if 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 it went on the same trajectory as the first four episodes, the finale would be considered a big, a big so what. But this is the best thing we've gotten since episode four. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, if I basically had to describe this episode succinctly, it would just be a shrug emoji. Because none of the challenges are that impactful. As much as it's a brilliant idea to do a rerun, basically, of the challenge from the uh, the first episode with the old moles ultimately it's irrelevant then you have a pointless execution when you should have just done three last week and got it over with and then you just have two really odd challenges that don't belong in a finale i think the the part that really sucks for somebody like peggy is you have these two or the one marathon challenge that took up an episode and a half 
And then you have a challenge where it can't really be mulled. Nothing, nothing happens. No, no money can. There was three thousand euros up for grabs, but was there really three thousand euros up for grabs? No. They all four of them chose a question mark. They all went into the mirror room, which I don't know. Production set it up that way to ensure everyone got into that room, because <laughs> that would suck if no one did. After all that effort they put into setting that room up. And then they say, okay, we've had this challenge that took up an episode and a half that the mole couldn't really do anything about, really, unless, like, they could barely sabotage it, but they needed some money to go into the pot. And then after that, you execute two people, and then you have this challenge where you say, okay, you're just going to get thrown into this mysterious room. Oh, by the way, now we're executing another person. So we get three executions where the three people don't get any extra information or insight into who the mole could be. You, you shouldn't have fourth, fifth, and sixth place all go because of a crapshoot. So let's actually talk about the, um, the episode now. So previously, the final six reunited on the island of Elba as we slogged through talking about one challenge all episode. Ron and Peggy forgot to grab a phone while Patrick and your own Mr. Key, which proved to be key in Nikki and Tico's escape, consigning the other four to an execution that only two of them would survive. Patrick was the first to see a red screen, while Ron was the last man standing to wait for his fate, and also went home, leaving a final four of Nikki, Tico, Peggy, and Euroan. And the episode title is Deja Vu. And we get an introduction to the final four in the farmhouse, but the most important thing is of course that Peggy says she doesn't know who it is anymore. And Rick says that after the search on Elba, only four people were left in the game. Some of them were still confused even heading into the finale, maybe a conversation with an expert will help. Right before the final test, the mole will strike again, but maybe the final puzzle piece will fall into place. And then we get the titles, in which I actually noticed that Nikki is fourth, which is the traditional number of the mole. And on day 13, they head to the Abbey of San Galgano. They individually meet Rick at the door. He tells them that there is still a one test and execution before the finale proper. They can earn lots of money in this assignment, up to 3,000 euros, or valuable information about how the others played. Someone waits for them inside someone who knows who the mole is and how they work. When they walk inside, they can't take anything just yet, but must listen to the advice. And yeah, this challenge is ultimately pointless. Tigo is the first person up. In each box is a value of money, which is 750 euros, a question mark card, and four cards explaining why each person could be the mole. And this is a rare challenge, or a rare version of this challenge, because you can actually talk about half of it. Because one of the moles that comes back this time is someone you've seen before. Hi, Meryl. So, Tico's ex-mole is Meryl. She says, it's a game of lies and deceits. You're looking for the truth, but isn't the truth just perception? Isn't what each person thinks is the truth just perception, or is it their truth? Tico, unsurprisingly, takes a question mark card, and it tells him he can go to a room where he will get more insight. Inside, he sees the mirrors from the first challenge again, and there is also a note on the wall saying, in the night while you were sleeping, I wrote your quotes on the mirror by hand. Greetings from the mole. Nikki is the second person up. She drops the title of Deja Vu. Her mole is one that Logan hasn't seen, so I can't talk about him. She says that this sort of assignment is meant to make you doubt yourself right before the end of the game. She takes a question mark card as well. Euroan is up third with Peggy fourth. Euroan gets Meryl and Peggy gets the other mole. And both pick the question mark too. Now, a few points from this challenge. Number one, what was the absolute point of telling them there was any money involved given there was no way for them to earn any yeah i don't get that either (laughs) like it's functionally pointless unless you got the money by turning around when the mole nicked it i don't know yeah if you happen to turn around just in time while the person's talking like or uh, be funny if just by pure coincidence there was a loud bang behind them and the person turns around oh you're the mole what i would have done is literally just said hello to whoever my old mole was and then turned my back to them and just listen and watch. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming they weren't actually allowed to do that because that would have been game-breaky, but still, that's what I would have done. Oh, my neck is really sore. I can't turn it fully forward. And number two, potentially more interesting, is their choice of the other mole you've not seen. Because the other mole you've not seen is the only Dutch mole who didn't get any prep time. Because that mould was picked in the first challenge. Elizabeth? It was kind of an elizabeth light version. So basically what happened is it was the Northern Ireland and Jordan season. And um, 
each person was driven up to a manor house in Northern Ireland and asked by Peter Yan whether they wanted to be the mole. If they said yes, they got directed into one room. If they said no, they got directed into another one. If they said yes, they also cost the pot some money. I think it was 250 euros. Inside the yes room was a council of three old moles who would make the decision on who would get to join the club. Did the, did the twist work out well? I mean, yeah, as as not as yeah, not as well as maybe Elizabeth's did, but it worked out all right. They were an all right mole, I guess. Not my favorite, but yeah, it was it was an okay twist. Um, it was just a really interesting way of them doing that twist because what they did is weirdly not take up actually too much airtime with the challenge, but they had each person sit at the uh, the laptop and type their own name in to see whether they'd been chosen as the mole or not, because obviously. Not everyone picked that they wanted to be the mole, and nobody knew what each other had picked. They just knew how many people had picked yes, thanks to how much money had come out of the pot. Did they get to see them react to entering their name into the screen? They sure did. So no one could fist pump? Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it it was really interesting that in a season with so many old moles coming back, the last one we actually see is the only one who was picked on site. So, how many old moles total made an appearance? Eleven, uh, I think. No, there was there was ten. Yeah, there was ten because there was the original five, then there was the three in the plaza, and then there was the two this time. So, yeah, ten. That's a fair amount of cameos. It is. It's half of the old moles came back in this season. And what, like, 63% of the celebrity moles? Because none of them were the civilian ones. They're just... Do they even get contacted by production? Oh yeah, and De- oh yeah. Wasn't there um, in the Dominican Republic season they used a civilian mole at the on the during the first episode? Uh, Japan, they definitely did. Japan, the uh, the clue that they were heading to Japan was handed out by an old mole, ah. and it was an old civilian one. So that might be what you're thinking of. But um, yeah, there was a rumor preseason that we were going to see an old civilian candidate come back for Renaissance. Obviously, it didn't happen because they don't acknowledge the Queen Angela seasons anymore. But it was interesting to actually see how many old moles are going to come back for this season. It's like a who's who or a V's V. And in the Northern Ireland and Jordan selection process, um, it was the four prior celebrity moles who um, who got to pick who the mole was. Hmm. I wonder how. I wonder in future seasons how the mole cameos will continue because they, they they essentially go all out for this Renaissance season. Yeah, that's kind of one of the major plus points of this season for me is the fact that they've really tried. They've just tried in a deeply odd way. So the mole also wrote, I am the mole on a mirror on their visit to the um, to the mirror room, which suggests to me that they were the last person to um, to go into the mirror room. But we don't know whether they were actually shown in order. In fact, we know they weren't because Peggy was the last one we saw go in there. <laughs> yeah, that, kind of, that would debunk your theory completely. <laughs> so it is now time for the test. 20 questions on the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows least is the final person to go home before the end. Except for the mole who's gone home before, but can't go home this time. Euroan suspects Nikki on the last test he went for a mostly, which was dangerous given the double execution, and he survived, therefore it must have been a good thing. Tico has tunnel visies since episode 2, and he's on Peggy. Peggy says Euroan would be a good mole because of how under the radar he is and how genuine he is. Nikki would be a good choice because she's so unexpected, and Tico is both a good player and a good actor. And she goes for Tico. Nikki is on Euroan. In Viestamol, you can be terrible, but she trusts her guts, and her gut says it's Euroan. And the execution takes place in a wine bar. They literally have cleared some tables in a wine bar while the um, the regulars drinking their wine just kind of look on, looking very confused as to why there's loads of people speaking Dutch in there. Nikki and Tico get green screens before Peggy gets the red one and once again goes home right before the finale. And she knew that she was wrong on one of the questions in the test, and Tico is very, very confused at her going home. Just to clear this up for Peggy, it wasn't one question that sent you home. <laughs> no, as as we found out, if she was going solely on Tico, then she probably got maybe one or two right, depending on whether there was any questions about the uh, the challenges that Tico did with Nikki. I can't think of a time where there was a final four, and the final four officially suspect a different person. Peggy and Tigo suspect each other, and Euron and Nikki suspect each other. I can think of a final four where 
everyone apart from the winner is on the wrong person. Is that the Oregon season? Yeah, Oregon and um, and Georgia both have that, I think, actually. Yeah, but, I, but this is the first time where everyone, no, there's no repeat suspects in the Final Four, which is just really, it's just two pairs of people who are going for each other on the quiz. And Peggy says outside that it's a story of her life to leave right before the finale. The mole played really well. And she doesn't even get the traditional erasing from the group photo. She gets grayed out at the end, but we don't see the traditional scene of her getting uh, getting erased. Maybe she hasn't been executed. No, she is grayed out by the end of the episode. It is only one of the three who are remaining that is the mole. I mean, she technically made it into the finale. She just didn't get to the end of the finale. Yeah, but if you say that, you have to argue that Tico made it into the finale in in Hong Kong, Philippines, which he didn't. You don't want to give Tigo that honor distinction of being in the finale twice? No. <laughs> Especially when you consider that Tico now has the record for most episodes of Easter Mole. I was about to say that he would he would definitely have the record now for making it the furthest. Yeah, he had it last week. Although although he he really, really got lucky to make it to final three. Because I have a feeling he probably would have been executed if he didn't have that exemption last episode. I'm not sure. Because assuming that Peggy was on Tico again in the last test, then it it depends whether the mole's male or female, essentially. Because if the mole is, is male, then Peggy survives, Tico goes home. Or whatever. You, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But if, if the mole's female, then Tico survives no matter what. Well, we don't know what the other 19 questions were, though. We do, actually, for, for last time. I'm not going to run through them all, but for the first time ever, they actually released all 20 questions. Oh, well. How many do you think Peggy got right? Did you go through them? <laughs> no, I, I didn't look at them. I, I was beyond over that episode by the time that I saw they'd released the questions. <laughs> uh, so now i got to look that up, because then it'll probably be, it would be easy to figure out who who the mole was based off of those questions, or at least be able to rule an, either Euro and or Nikki out, potentially. You'd hope so. You'd hope so. Maybe not. Maybe that's why they release the questions, because they know somebody will do that and realize, oh, it, could, it would have just been Tigo going home. <laughs> Tigo would have the lowest score. I do know who the Dutch public suspects. And yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, I'll be honest, but we'll get to that at the end. Do they suspect Tigo? <laughs> no, surprisingly, Tigo, when I last checked, had 6% of the vote, even though Rick, at the end of this episode, specifically says... Tico, you're not the mole. <laughs> he still got 6%. Oh, that's a margin of error. <laughs> that's how they can that's how we can evaluate all further public polls is whatever percentage Tigo gets leading up to the reveal, that's how far off it has to be by in all the surveys. Yeah, it was six percent when I last checked. I've not checked again this evening, but I think Rick is lying to me. So yeah, they all toast to Peggy that evening. And Tico doesn't even get a cheers. And the finale begins in earnest on day 14 in Tenuta Argentaria. Behind Rick are wine barrels with letters on them. They have to make words using the barrels. They are worth money for the pot. The longer the word, the higher the value. If they make them all, they can earn up to 3,410 euros because this season is determined to give me an aneurysm. There are also blank barrels which are worth minus 50 euros and they can use those if they can't be asked finding the actual letters. They've got 30 minutes to spell as many of the words as they can, and unsurprisingly, this is an impossible challenge to win all the money on. I like how they make it really obvious that Tigo cannot be the mole. <laughs> that he's like, am I the only one that's trying in this challenge? My absolute favourite thing is the fact that people have been so tunnel-visioned on Tico over the past few weeks, going, it's gotta be Tico. There is no other mole than Tico. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not Tico. I'm I'm pretty confident it is not Tico. It's the one thing both of us have agreed on since the beginning. Yeah, and then in this episode, they go so far out of their way to say, Tico is not the mole, stop looking at Tico, literally culminating in Rick at the end of it going, Tico's not the mole. Like, seriously, guys. <laughs> Tico is 100% not the mole, stop putting all your pool points on Tico. And people still do. 6% do. Yeah. So all the words, because this is a finale, are themed around their adventures. They start off spelling out Pisa, but Nikki goes looking for long words as the queue is worth 100 euros. And they decide to then spell San Carico and debate whether there is a space in it or not. 
because the space, of course, costs 50 euros. And Nikki and Euron are trying their absolute best to be as suspicious as possible. Yeah, even before Rick had said, basically, one of the two of you is the mole, I think you can pretty much narrow it down to those two, given their actions in this challenge. Nikki starts flipping barrels over to hide the letters, and Euron just kind of wanders around? Doesn't do anything? Goes along with whatever Nikki says, pushes barrels into a ditch, so it's impossible. It's, it would take way too much effort to try and recover them. He's not really held accountable in this challenge. No, whereas Nikki really is. Yeah, we get the, well. The challenge is from the perspective of we really don't see anything of Euro, Euro in this challenge. He gets very he gets very little content. It's Tigo standing there saying, "Which one of you is the mole?" And then Nikki says, "Oh, I was intentionally sabotaging it, and I wanted to see what Euro does." So you have two people who are trying their best to not do anything. And then one person who's completely helpless, who's still trying to figure out how the hell he survived the last execution. This is my argument as to why Euroan is not the mole. We just don't see anything of Euroan in this entire season. He is so under-edited that he would not be a satisfying mole, regardless of you're obviously day one suspecting of him. He would not be a satisfying mole in the slightest. Wasn't there a mole that we both overlooked just two years ago who may or may not have appeared in this episode, Michael? There was, but Meryl you can reconcile with being the mole. Meryl had some really good sneaky actions. But but the, he, she was edited the same way as your Owen was. We made jokes all the way to Final 3 that we didn't know anything about Meryl. We're in this exact same boat as two years ago, and I refuse for both of us to be fooled again. <laughs> but here's the counterpoint to that. This is a special season. They're not going to under-edit the mole. They could. We just had a freaking episode and a half spent on one challenge. <laughs> they could, but they're not going to, because it doesn't make sense, and it doesn't make the mole a palatable mole. And if it's your own, I'm going to be so disappointed next week. Regardless of my day one tunnel vision on Nikki, I'm going to be so disappointed if your own ends up being the mole, because he's just... He was a nothing character in Oregon. He went home in a basically a damp squib moment. He went home. He made no impact on the season. I literally forgot I'd seen his season when he got announced on this cast. I had to go back to Bindles and go, give me a crib sheet on your own because I don't remember him in the slightest. He would be such an unsatisfying mole, regardless of any hidden sabotages he's done. Well, we're going to find out in six days' time. <laughs> well, we're going to find out in seven days' time, or more than likely in probably about 24 hours' time when the reunion films, but that's that's another story. So, an eye goes missing when they try and spell the words Da Vinci, some of the barrels got turned upside down, and it was Nikki who did it, and they decide to put in a blank letter to spell Sienna, however, the time runs out, and that's literally all this challenge is. And Rick says that they kept an eye on each other, but should have paid more attention to the values of letters and words, and they end up with 320 euros of a possible 3,410. Not their best showing. Now going back to discussing Meryl being so under-edited, do you remember one of the hidden things for Meryl being the fact that Rick kept taking selfies with her? No, I don't remember that hidden clue. Yeah, so Rick... It was revealed in the reunion, kept taking pictures with Meryl in the locations and calling her the mole and stuff like that. This is the location where Nikki had a picture with both Rick and the showrunner. This is how everyone knew Nikki was in the finale, apart from me, apparently, is the fact that there was a selfie taken with Rick and the showrunner and Nikki at this location. And they uploaded the photo online? Yep, it was indeed uploaded on the day that it was taken but not location tags, so nobody knew exactly where it was, but everyone worked it out as soon as the trailer came out, and like, oh, well, Nikki's on this season 100%, we've seen that winding lane of elm trees. <laughs> so this is another thing where I think, maybe Nikki could be the mole just because she's been taking selfies with Rick again. And we also find out that thanks to Ron's elimination last week, Yeroen is now the treasurer, and we go immediately to the final challenge, in San Silvestro, in an old mine. Exotic. And all they have to do is take a train through the mines and interrogate each other. There are 15 questions for each person, spread out between the other two, and Rick says he's very intrigued by the answers. 
and they can also earn the final 1500 euros for the pot. Barbara Streisand! <laughs> I know you're way higher on this challenge than me, but this is such a, a terrible final challenge. For a final challenge, it's not great, but considering what we've had as of late, and if you just remove the context of it being a final challenge, it's a pretty decent idea. It'd be good for a challenge in the middle of the season. Yeah, you can't have this sort of a challenge just done with three people. You need a little bit more distance between them and more of a Chinese whispers aspect, I think, to make this work. Or they have, say, one group. This would be the type of challenge where if you had a group of seven, four people do a different challenge and then three people do this. And the other element of this is for all the idea of, oh, it's going to be a really spooky, scary mine... It's visually really unappealing, because all we have is the train hurtling through the mine in the pitch black, and then a bit of light every 10 metres. It's not a pretty challenge to look at. Compared to the scenery outside that we've been exposed to for seven episodes, no, being inside of a mine on a mine cart is not the greatest. No. I know when we did the the Belgium-Argentina season, we discussed how terrible that final challenge is, and how just kind of, eh we end up feeling after seeing them walk through a dry riverbed. I get the same feeling with this challenge where I'm just like, yeah, it's it's a challenge. It's not brilliant in the slightest. It's just kind of there. It doesn't have that epic epicness to it. Like with with most finale challenges, it's some sort of race or you have two hours to complete this multi-layered puzzle or the scavenger hunt and you have to hustle through, and it's a race against time. Those are usually the the more epic final challenges. Here it's a fixed time. Everyone is stationary in this minecart. They're just yelling at each other. And then there's a quiz at the end of it, a casual quiz, and that's it. You don't get any really scenic shots, too. Like Even with Belgian Mole with their Greece finale, we said, oh, that final task over the Corinth Canal... Not the greatest of final challenges, but you still get the scenery of the Corinth Canal and the height aspect to it and how scary it is. Here it's sitting in a minecart going into the center of the earth. And Bart being upside down shouting, Love, you, dicker, cousin! <laughs> Which I do love maybe a bit too much because it just makes me laugh every time. But yeah, it's just kind of a, a massive shrug of a challenge at the end. Especially if, given all the shit that I've given to the China season, I'm going to pay it a bit of a compliment here. As stupid as that final challenge is in China, it's a damn sight better than this one. Because the final challenge is the one where they have the walk of temptation on top of the gate, with the mole ringing them, trying to tell them, don't go into this box, go into another one. Like, that is an actually good challenge. It's visually appealing, it allows the mole to maybe screw with people a little bit, and it just works. Whereas, compared to this one it's not visually appealing at all it's kind of a shrug of a challenge and if given there's only two people who are confirmed that could be the mole now one of them earned 500 euros in this challenge out of 500 like that is not how you want basically the abiding memory of the mole to be yeah i didn't say it was a great challenge i just thought compared to what we've had for three episodes now this is something it's a low bar to be better than the previous few episodes, but I'm still holding them to the standards that they gave us at the start of this season. This season was basically promised to us as being a brilliant one with a perfect theme. It's the first time they've done a theme in ages, or a proper theme in ages, and they had so many great ideas for the first half of the season, and so many bad ones for the second half. The quality has just gone off a cliff. It's as if they were all sitting in a room coming up with ideas in a in a single session where they write down all of the challenge ideas and they start off really good. Oh yeah, that's great. Let's keep going. And then it's two o'clock in the morning and they're trying to fill up the last three or four episodes. It's, it's as if they were a university student who waited until one or two days before to write a paper for a university course where the first part of your essay is fine. And then oh shit, this is due at 6am and it's midnight and I gotta fill up the rest of my paper. Lots of padding, I don't even know what I'm writing about anymore. I hope the professor isn't looking at it too closely. 
yeah, two weeks ago I ended the Pisa episode by basically saying that my reaction when I watched the episode and it cut off when they were in Piambino was, is that it? And I can't help but think that my reaction to this episode as a whole, but especially the end of this challenge, is just, is that it? Because it's not easily sabotageable. The only way the mole can really sabotage is be in the middle, and neither of the two potential people who were the mole was in the middle. They can only really sabotage the two questions that are going to be about them. That's it. Barbara Streisand, the eyeshadow doesn't blend in well. It doesn't blend. It doesn't blend. I thought you said it was crooked. I don't know what blending is. I know I've just done 20 minutes of a rant on this, but I do actually have one more problem with this challenge. Whenever they do a quiz challenge like this, and I'm mainly thinking of like the three questions challenge from um, from the American seasons, their answers are always written down beforehand so they can't change them. And they're always locked in before anyone answers a question. Whereas here, they can just make up stupid answers on the fly. I, w- I was thinking about that too. I was back and forth with it. I'm thinking, at least that's a new idea to try out where they can just make up whatever answer and hope the other person can remember it. <laughs> Rather than think thinking of a clear, coherent answer beforehand. Although one problem was presented, and that was, I feel Tigo should have gotten the money on the eyeshadow question. I feel that was way too specific. I think if it was just any normal challenge, talking about eyeshadow being crooked, I think has to be very similar to it blending. I know I'm not the makeup artist and I don't have a YouTube channel dedicated to makeup, but I think to the average person, that would be splitting hairs. It would be saying, I'm trying to think of what's, what would be a good analogy, Michael, <laughs> for how similar that would be. My feeling on that is maybe it was a mole action from Nikki to go uber specific, knowing that nobody's going to remember all the elements of it. And I know I'm hella tunnel busy, so you don't need to say it, but... If Nikki is the mole, she really sabotaged that bit by trying to make it uber-specific so that Tika wouldn't remember. Because especially when you're trying to shout over the noise of the train, you're not going to hear all of the elements of the correct answer. This is this is an analogy I've thought of. It would be like saying, oh, what are the five colors I'm holding up? Orange, red, green, blue, yellow. No, you're wrong. It's powder blue at a slight angle of 45 degrees. That's what I'm holding up. I think that's how strangely specific the producers made it for the answer. Like, quiz challenges at the best of times are never good unless they have a fun twist element to them. This was not a fun quiz challenge, I would say. It was decent enough as an experiment, since I can't really recall a challenge like this before. But they can definitely fine-tune it for the future if, they were, if, if another franchise were to attempt it again. It's the same argument I have with the dry riverbed from Argentina in that Mid-season, this would have been an alright challenge, as the final challenge, not a chance. The final challenge should have been a big spectacle where we either find out who the mole is or get a massive clue to who the mole is, or alternatively, we get a fun experience for these people. It doesn't look like they're having fun going through a dark mineshaft, I'm sorry. You mean you don't want to kill your vocal cords trying to shout Barbara Streisand ten times? Surprisingly not. And there's only actually one bit of interesting information we learn from this challenge, which is the fact that Nikki and Tico did a TV show together. One other thing about this challenge, to talk about how the mold could sabotage it, there's really two, well, three strategies. You give specific answers like Nikki did. You pretend to not hear what the other person is saying and make them repeat over and over again. Or you don't shout loudly enough. I mean, two of those three, Nikki did. (laughs) Didn't your own do two of those three? Nikki definitely made Tico repeat constantly and distracted Tico so that Yaron kept having to ask for answers as well. And then the other, the flip side of it is, was Nikki doing that intentionally to draw suspicion from Tico and Yaron just be really casual about it? So at the end of the ride, Rick meets them and tells them they can earn the final 1,500 euros for the pot by answering six questions, two each. Yaron gets Tico's crush correct, which is of course Yaron himself. Uh, Tico gets Yaron's wish wrong, which is to win the pot. Nikki gets Yaron's poster wrong, which was Barbara Streisand. Uh, Yaron gets Nikki's secret correct, which is that she doesn't have one. Tico gets Nikki's harshest thing wrong, which is that she told someone their eyeshadow was blended wrong. And Nikki gets Tico's weirdest thing right, which is that he lives under a bridge. 
And that means that they earned 750 euros of a possible 1500 for the challenge, 1070 of a possible 7910 for the episode, although it wasn't really that possible thanks to the first challenge, and a final pot of 12,580 euros of a possible 39,082 euros and 50 centimes for the season. It's not the worst percentage. That's not a terrible percentage, but that is a very low maximum pot. Extremely low. <laughs> Even most like casual shows in syndication uh, give out more money than that in, in an episode. I think most British quiz shows average more than that in a week. Yeah, and I'm thinking of, say, Jeopardy, where Jeopardy would definitely give out way more than that in a single week. Depends if James Holtz was on it or not. Well, that's the one asterisk I was going to say. That's what he would get in one episode. But for for this to be the culmination of eight episodes as the grand prize, of the highest possible grand prize, is very sad. And for this to be, and for 12,000 euros in 2020 to be the grand prize of an eight-episode season is just depressing. And if you take away the challenge that spanned an episode and a half, they wouldn't have even cracked 10,000 this season. So on day 15, they wake up in La Foche for the final test. 40 questions on the identity and actions of the mole throughout the season. The person who knows the most will earn 12,580 euros and the right to finally unmask the mole. And because obviously they couldn't do anything outside, they all have to do their final tests in separate rooms. They were just lucky to be able to do the barrel challenge this week. So Tico suspects Nikki and tells her, well done. Everything on the mirrors is very Nikki. Nobody suspects it during the first few episodes. Nikki suspects Yaron because he's so unexpected and floating through the game. And Yaron suspects Nikki because she sabotages everything without anyone knowing. She stayed away from physical challenges. She gave the wrong order on the Puzzle Beach challenge. Tico said Nikki decided to give people different names at the guest list challenge, which costs money. Nikki says one note ripped at the key tree challenge, and it was really weird that it wasn't found out till Horace went home. She says she couldn't keep an eye on her mole at the painting challenge, but the painting that Yaron described to Peggy wasn't found. Yaron says Nikki wasted time at the shutter challenge by knocking on an obviously empty Trattoria. He invokes Miss Mole from his season, which is really interesting, because Miss Mole is actually the clue I think I've referenced most. It was the the one in episode three of Oregon where um, when nobody had even suspected the mole at that point, to the point where production were getting a little bit worried and put in a clue to a challenge that the team ended up losing and then had Art actually explain that that was a clue in episode three because they were super worried. <laughs> I don't know why they have to be as worried as episode three. Why not wait till episode five or six? You only need somebody to know who the mole is on the final quiz. Because nobody was scoring anything other than one point. People were going home because they picked the wrong gender of the mole. That was the dangerous <laughs> thing. Well, they can just do a they can just do a, a blip, like a very obvious clue at the end of the game. They essentially did, but it's really interesting that Yaroan does invoke Miss Mole here. And Tico also described Nikki as a masterful mole. And I'm wondering whether you make the connection on that line as I did. Because as you well know, as a general rule, the episode titles do relate to the moles. Everyone seemed to think that they were relating to Tico this season because of stuff like Damocles last week being a reference to his favourite book, apparently, which obviously was utter horseshit. In this episode, three different episode titles come up. Because Nikki says deja vu, Tico describes her as masterful, which was Mesterleek, which was about halfway through the season, and there is another episode title dropped somewhere in the episode. I can't remember exactly where it is. But three different episode titles are dropped in this episode, and all of them relate to Nikki. And this is why I'm still very much in my tunnel on Nikki, is the fact that she makes the most sense actually from a popularity point of view, because no one's going to pick Yaron willingly, given he was a nothing in Oregon and is still a nothing in this season and is probably the least famous of the 10 in the season, preseason at least. The clues are still pointing at Nikki. And I think with the whole Amiris challenge, they may be referencing the clue that people spotted in like week one or two, where if you flip Nikki's one, it does say mole backwards. And I don't know for certain. That's the problem. I hate being at this point in a season and not being 100% confident on who the mole is. But I've got to go Nikki. Still, I have to trust my gut instinct. And I know you're going to trust your gut and go your own. And one of us is going to be super smug next week and one of us is going to be really pissed off. Probably me, because that's usually how it happens. But I've got to trust my gut and say Nikki still. 
Yeah, I'm not really allowed to flip at this point, even if I wanted to, since we've both been on our respective suspects since week one. <laughs> it is really impressive, actually, when I did the update on the um, the pool photo earlier, that the final two people who are potential moles are the first two people that the two of us drafted. Yeah, imagine if I if one of us said, actually, I suspect you're suspect this week. I think that would be banned. <laughs> but I, I can't help but feel, hmm... There is a lot of fingers pointing at Nikki as of this episode, but I have to stick with your Owen, because imagine if I go Nikki, Nikki's the mole, I will not count that as a victory, so I'm sticking with your Owen. <laughs> the final thing I think is pointing to Nikki is from a production standpoint, and I know this is a really dangerous thing to say, especially when the production has been anything but typical. From a production standpoint, if you have two people on the mole, and the mole pointing at one person, that's absolutely fine. That has happened in pretty much every season. But if you have only one person pointing at the mole, you tell your mole to suspect the person who's going to lose, just to make it a proper three-way intrigue and add a little bit of intrigue going into the final reveal. Because that's basically what they did in Oregon. The winner suspected the mole, the mole suspected the loser, the loser suspected the winner. And they didn't do a reveal like this to say, Person X, you are the, you're not the winner. Person X, you're not the mole. Person X, you're not the um, the loser. They didn't do that because everyone suspected each other, which was hilarious, especially when you found out who it was. But from a production standpoint, that is the best solution if only one person suspects the mole, I think, is you have to have a, a triangle, basically, of suspicion. You cannot have two people both on the wrong person. Do they do a triangle in Georgia? Yeah. Yeah, Georgia was the other one, but um, the Oregon's the more more famous one because of the reaction. Like, Molche was kind of like, oh, I'm so embarrassed, but the reaction in the Oregon one was brilliant, so that's kind of the one that people talk about when they when they talk about kind of a triangle of suspicion in Vidim. Purely from a production standpoint, you pull the mole aside and just say, yeah, just say you were suspecting whoever the loser is, just to, to add a little bit of intrigue. The only way that revealing to someone that they're not the winner revealing to another person they're not the loser and revealing to another person they're not the mole makes sense is if two people are on the mole and then it actually is a proper test i don't know i'm fully aware that every single thing i've said this evening will probably come back to bite me when your rowan is revealed as the mole next saturday and i'm mortified because i've wasted my eight weeks on this but i'm still very much on the nikki train choo-choo there's going to be a very loud Nelson Bunce. Ha ha. Whoever the mole ends up being. Especially if it's your heroine. Because <laughs> I think that ha ha applies to the whole audience. The thing is, it is a satisfying ending, I think, from a production standpoint and from an audience standpoint, if Nikki's the mole. I don't think it is if your own is. Does it help that Nikki's guaranteed to be the winner at the very least? Well, would that balance out your own being the mole if Nikki is a Vidim winner? I think the mole, we, we've never actually brought this up on our many mole recaps, actually. I think personally, I'm of the opinion, the winner doesn't matter that much. Yes, if the winner's good, that's great, because it makes it a little bit more satisfying, but the mole is the be-all and end-all of this show. If the mole is not a good one, I don't really consider the season a good one. And that's going to be the determining factor, I think, for for this season is if the mole is a satisfying one and one who sabotaged loads sneakily and is actually a palatable mole and makes a lot of sense from a production standpoint and from an audience standpoint i think you can get on board with this sort of a season a lot more how much would it drag down the season if tigo ends up as the winner just because he lucked out into a double exemption and just happened to get lucky at the final four execution and then beat Euro on the final quiz, even though Euro had been on the mall for weeks and weeks. I think it makes it way funnier, I'll be honest. I think purely from a comedic standpoint, that it's really, really funny if someone stumbles ass backwards into winning at the end. I mean, 12,000 euros pays for a lot of showers. He doesn't have to live under a bridge anymore. He can get, he can get at least a studio apartment in Amsterdam with that. As much as, obviously, I came into this season really not enjoying Tico from uh, from Hong Kong, Philippines, he's better in this season. He's more palatable as a person in this season. I think it's way funnier if the story of this season is Nikki being the saboteur 
and Tico being the one who unmasks her, stumbling arse backwards into it and somehow being better at a test than Yeroen, who suspected her for weeks. Possibly since day one. Yeah, I think it's such a funny option if that happens. Especially when Tico didn't even suspect Nikki halfway into this final episode. We Just 20 minutes before the final quiz, he has the most confused reaction I think I've seen in Vidim history. It's just, it's a brilliant concept in my mind of Tico revealing himself as winner and being the person who unmasked Nikki. In like the last 15 minutes, or in the 15 days of filming, Yeroen was probably looking at Nikki from day one or day two, and then Tico doesn't even realize it's Nikki until six hours before they took the final quiz on location. Because then Peggy went home on day 14, right? Yeah, Peggy went home day 14. So they did two challenges in the final quiz with the final three? Yeah. Is this the shortest filming schedule? Just 15 days for a full season? I mean, it's got to be by default, hasn't it? Such a short time, and they didn't even have to travel far either. It was within the EU. They went from Schiphol to <laughs> Leonardo Airport, <laughs> probably, and that was it. So, the reveal takes place in the grounds of the mansion where they took the final test. Yeroen seems to be dressed utterly ridiculously. He's just put a black bow tie on top of the most casual shirt that's ever existed. Tico is somehow trying to beat him by being in a tracksuit. And Rick says, how often do you get a second chance? They were all given one to find them all again, wiser and more knowledgeable. From now, they have a spot in an exclusive club, which is the finalists. Three old candidates, now finalists, one of whom is a candidate, now Mole. Nikki went home second in Columbia. She was such a blabbermouth that it couldn't be her then. She listened to the wise words of the old Moles in the first episode and kept her cards a bit more close to her chest. That is good as a candidate, but also good as the Mole. She cast the pot a few times, she was shot first in the laser game, and on the beach did nothing while everyone was making the puzzle. Yeroen and Tico are both convinced that the messages on the mirror can only be hers. Yeroen left Oregon 5th with no clue who it was, and, let's be honest, the audience having no clue who he was. This time, he's a bit more sure of his mole. He did his best for the group and paid more attention, exactly what he set out to do. Is he too fanatical to be the mole? And hilariously, this is a brilliant word for him, Rick also describes him as mild which I think is the perfect description of Yeroen. He loves earning small amounts of the pots. In the postcard challenge, he went for small values, and in Elba, he went for clues. Nikki is sure that it's him. Tico was the last to leave in the Philippines right before the finale, so he was set on reaching the finale this time. He experiences everything so intensely, but as an actor can play the tortured candidates. He didn't bring in much money for the pots, and both of his moles have left. How is he even in the finale? In the bow and arrow game, everyone hit their shield except for Tico. In the stone game, he walked past the gold stones. Is he the mole that everyone missed? At first glance, they could all be the mole, but only one of them is. One of them has a double agenda, for only one of them did the game start before the rest, when they wrote on the mirrors. Someone has cost the group thousands of euros, but who? One is the winner, one is the loser, and one is the mole. Rick reveals that Nikki is not the loser. Yeroen is not the winner. And Tico is not the mole. But ultimately, Nikki or Yeroen, V is the mole. So our final prediction, Yeroen's the winner. Or fuck. Nick <laughs> Nikki's the winner. Yeroen's the mole. Tigo's the loser. And your prediction, Michael. Ironically, there are only two of the six permutations that actually work, and weirdly we're representing opposite ones, because you think that Yeroen's the Mole, Nikki's the winner, Tico's the loser. I think that Tico is the winner, Yaron is the loser, and Nikki is the mole. Interestingly, did you see Tico's reaction when he found out that Yaron was not the winner? I wasn't looking too closely. Do you look giddy? You need to watch it again because he cannot hide his delight that Yaron was announced as not the winner. Because he is convinced that he has it in the bag. However, there is still the potential that Yeroen is the mole and Tico has celebrated for absolutely nothing. Which would be delightful. I'm not going to lie. I really don't want Yeroen to be the mole. I think he would be probably, you could argue, the worst mole they've ever had. But also, Tico's reaction was pretty funny if he's if he's <laughs> wrong. I'll be honest. He's just celebrating thinking, Yeroen's not the winner, that means I've won. Shit, he's the mole. <laughs> Nikki won. Like, obviously, Nikki being the mole would be the best option. 
Comedically, however, maybe Tico finding out that he's lost would be funny as well. I think there is going to be a funny moment next week. I just kind of would prefer it if it's a palatable moment as well. So next time, all is revealed, your own on Nikki's the mole, and that's literally all they can show, because the reunion is filming today, as we now record this. It's filming on Monday. They're pre-recording it for the first time in years. Why? <laughs> exactly. Because this ultimately means that 100% the mole is going to leak by the time that Saturday rolls along. There is no question in my mind that that's going to happen. So one final point that I think will actually brighten your day after this lackluster episode again. I have it on good authority that Belgian Mole has just finished filming. Where did they film? No idea. No one knows on Belgi, but apparently Gilles has just come back from a little few week getaway. Which means, of course, that we have to kind of mentally prepare ourselves to do Belgi 9 next year. <laughs> awesome. That's great. First reaction is, yay! Second reaction is, ah, fuck, I'm going to be busy again. Well, I think this pandemic will sadly go beyond <laughs> go beyond the air date of Belgian Mole next year. It better not, because I really want to go to the finale next year. By the finale, maybe it'll open up. Well, I, mean, I can still technically go to Belgium right now. I really, really, really want to go to the Belgian finale next year. I'll be gutted if I can't. Time will tell. Luckily, it's only October. Who knows what the world will be like by... April or May. <laughs> God knows. So, I'm going to quickly run through the pool and stuff. You've just lost your second person in Peggy, leaving you with just your Rowan. I've got Nikki and Tico left, but as Tico's already been ruled out as being the mole, it leaves just a duel between me and you. Mano a mano. Ray Romano, Ray Romano. In the first suspicions list, Tico is the only person more suspected by us than by the group as a whole. Your Rowan is on a solid one out of two, and Danny goes in, it's 0.93. Nikki is now at 1.18 or 1.14. Your team is obviously 1 and 0.93. Mine is 1 and 104. Michelle's is still 0 because she's lost. There's still 7 people with their first suspects in the game, including me and you. 2 people, me and April Bride 15, both have our top 2 left. But I went with Nikki and Tico, and April Bride went with Yaron and Nikki. Given we know Tico isn't the mole, excluding him and putting a binary choice on it, Nikki was given 55% of the votes and Yaron 45. Adding those 3 in takes it to 57% Nikki and 43% Yaron. And here's an exclusive, we're guaranteed to have more than one winner this year, as there are four Euroan first suspicions left, and three Nikki ones. Have you got anything else you want to say? No, I think I'm good. Cool. Thank you for listening to our VS Mall Renaissance recap. We will be back next week to conclude the hunt for the newest mall in Italy. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are RTV Warriors, or you can email us and contact at rtvwarriors.com. Logan is on Twitter at logsquaggy, and I am MJ Harmstone. We will also be back on Sunday for the second episode of Amazing Race 32. Thank you, as always, to Marika for the subtitles, and we will see you next week. Peace out, and just chill till the final of flavoring.